You're listening to Brave New Words. I'm your host, Ed Fortune, and I'm here with... Del! Siloid! Producer Al! And Ross! On today's show, we are talking about comic books! Hooray! Yay! Uh, we are going to get distracted. Well, we're talking about books about comic books, not comic books themselves. Oh. So we're going to have a look at the Legion of Regrettable Supervillains. <laughs> I remember that one. We judged it by its cover. We did indeed judge it by its cover. And Thrill Power Overload, 2000 AD, the first 40 years, revised and expanded. Um, a picture of Farg, the mighty one, who is obviously the editor of 2000 AD. Um, That's a very long tenured editor he's had. He has, well, he is an alien. So, you know. Is he's that not. long for his kind? I don't know, I think it's rude to ask. <laughs> to, to that is a personal question. Yeah, I think you don't ask him personal questions, or at least you don't survive. So, uh, but first off, a jingle. This is Fat Radio International. Embrace the alternative. So, uh, we're brought to you via Star Wars Magazine, which is probably where you found us all the wonky spanner. Um, and you can find us on uh, Stitcher and on iTunes. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, on our Super Secret Book Club. You can find us pretty much everywhere where books are being discussed. And uh, you, you know when they say all good bookshops? You can't no. find us there. Occasionally you can find us looking at books in the shelves. But, you know, that's not really the, the, the whole What's thing What's Stitcher? Stitcher's like iTunes for people who have Android. Oh! That sounds good. So, um... Well, I feel we've all learned something here. Yes. Well, I need that because yeah, I'm yeah. trying to find us on iTunes. Yes, no, it is. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's not as easy as it could be. Provided by the Wonky Spanner. The lovely people at the Wonky Spanner. Okay, cool. Yes, and it's still wonky after all of these years. No one's straight in the spanner. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's, it's a Wonky Spanner, not a straight spanner. Don't, don't, don't impose your, your, your spanner views. And the way that, you know, some spanners are wonky. That's just the way those spanners are. You've got two list agenda. No, not deliberately. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Stop picking your moss. So, 2000 AD. uh, Thrill Power Overload 2000 AD, the first 40 years. One of the running gags with uh, 2000 AD is that they pack every issue too much thrill power. And this comic might explode. And other comics have thrill suckers, which are things that suck the thrill out of you. And they're like these horrible kind of buck-tooth mushroom alien-y things. Uh, so when you open up uh, Thrill Power Overload, uh, the first thing you get, actually the first page, is an explosion of thrill power. The Fog of the Mighty One holding the new 2080 logo, uh, followed by a spaceship full of all the 2080 characters. And of course he's riding a space spinner, which is a frisbee that they gave on the front cover of uh, 2080 when it first came out way back but when in 1977 many really cool things came out in 1977 me um, aside, for example um, Star Wars 2008 and Starburst magazine which you may have heard of it's uh, like a celestial has there ever conference. actually been a recorded instance of the, the comic exploding of, of, of 2008 being packed so, so much full of thrill that it would have caused an explosion yes um, to be honest, in the seventies, had they been able to claim in court that they could do that, they would have. Um, 
because there was a whole series of moral panics about comics. Oh, um, oh they were the, the 70s version of video games. Yes, they were exactly the 70s versions of video games. Now, this is an incredibly comprehensive book. Um, what it essentially is, is a series of interviews and conversations um, about the comic itself. It's been there for 40 years, so they've got absolutely shed loads of people. It's not just they had this comic, they had this story, and then they had this story. If you don't know what 2080 is, does someone want to explain 2080 to the audience? It's a collection it, of comics. Yeah, well, it, 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 it's a comic which has a, a collection of different story threads in it. It's an anthology. It's an anthology comic, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the, the most famous one yeah, is just Dread. He's the most famous character in it. But when it first came out, everyone who was involved in it was convinced that the thing that would sell it to kids would be Dan Dare, because Dan Dare, Dare was a 50s mm. comic book character from Eagle Comic. He was, yeah, and yeah. Fleetway had the rights, so they, they booted Dan Dare and quite keep talking about their attempts to, to, to boot Dan Dare and get people interested in Dan Dare. And no one really cared. <laughs> because the kids who grew up reading Dan Dare were now writing in 2000 AD, and they'd they'd grown away from that sort of thing and sensibilities had grown away Dan Bear and, and Digby were rather nice and rather tree and rather British and trains weren't scary the Mekon was a little bit scary but the Martians in the, the Dan Dare comics just weren't scary mm. whereas Judge Dredd would never have appeared in the pages of Eagle because he was way too political whereas you know he's a for those of you who know, don't know um, Judge Dredd he's a He's a character that imagines an American that America that fell into a totalitarian fascist regime, uh, and then inevitably fell into uh, bad news. Bob was the president uh, who badly, badly ran the country. Uh, ended up in nuclear war, uh, and yeah, the, the then you ended up with these little surviving fascist states of America ran by the judges, and there's no democracy. Democracy is radical. Thank goodness that's not relevant anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's um, uh, the mega cities are protected by an enormous wall. But moving on. Oh. So this book appears to have four clearly delineated sections. I'm ta- taking that off the colours on the edges of the pages. We have a green so, bit and a red bit. And I think I see a blue bit. bit. And a, so and a the green bit is grey bit. The green yeah. bit is the seventies. Oh. Then we head towards the eighties. And it opens, oh, new, new decade, new thrills. Um, <laughs> of course. Well, it, that was the 80s. It, it's got Alan Moore as a robot, obviously, because all the all the comics were written by scriptroid. Not people, but robots. One of the things that Pat Mills did was he actually got the credits for the artists and the creators on the comic covers because the publishers didn't want that because they didn't want their, comics, their comic creators being poached. But oddly enough, the, the creators kind of did, so they could, you know, get jobs elsewhere. So one of the ways they did it was they had this kind of little credit card things, and they were like, these are the script droids, these are characters from the comic book, they're script droids, Alamo, is a, he, he is MRE1, uh, he is a script droid, and they made it into a whole gag. And part of that was because in the 70s, there was a whole thing about gimmicks for your comic to sell the comic to kids. So, Fog the Mighty One. He was obviously a real person. Uh, Fog the Mighty One was a gimmick for the comic that they've just stuck with. Mm. But obviously, they, they, this is not a massively long interview with 
Fog. This is an interview of the um, the human beings who worked with Fog. Fog. Yeah. As the editors. Um, so yes, each one of the colours, colours is essentially... Fog Wranglers. Fog Wranglers. Is um, a page... Now, it's huge, I think. I'm going to pass this round to you. It is a big old book. Mm. Um, it is massive. Oh. I mean, look, just looking at it, because I've just realised this, the green it's section looks... The, the four colour sections look about the same size, but I'm assuming that the green bit, which covers the three or four years of the 70s that it was in, because it... So say, I mean, it covers a lot of this is how we created the, the whole thing as a start This is the history of Fleetway, this is the yeah. war panic. Whereas the purple bit at the end is going to cover 16 or 17 years at this point. So, But then we're heading into an era of the comic book called the Rebellion Era, which is where it got bought by. Essentially, what happened was uh, the people responsible for, for uh, Tomb Raider, Idos, had a bunch of people who left and became Rebellion, different bunch of de- developers. Um, uh, a different bunch of developers and then we they formed Rebellion and they were like well we love the comic book Fleetway aren't doing anything with the property it was really weird actually because Fleetway didn't really understand what they had right. and a lot of their other comics were this is stuff that I've got from there well, a lot of their other comics were things like Thomas and Tank Engine what? Horseman Pat mm. so they were doing that's they, a very mixed stable they were doing they were doing kids comics and then they didn't really understand this kind of artifact from the seventies that still had loads of subscribers and was still, you know, very well loved. Um, and it was kind of kind of floundering. It was you know it was doing okay, but it was kind of floundering. Um, and this is why we had I don't know if you remember, but in the nineties when the movie came out, we had stuff like Judge Dredd, Lawman of the Future, it was a kids' version of Judge Dredd. It didn't really work. No, no, no. I can imagine. Um, he's not kid friendly, is he? Really, no. he's not kid friendly character. But yeah, in the nineties, they tried things like Crisis and Revolver and these kind of more radical, more kind of open, more European comics. They, they did try and expand the brand. Um, when it was finally caretake, when when Rebellion took over, they essentially got access to all of the IP. And they've slowly but surely been acquiring other IP from Fleetway as they've gone on mm. as well. So all of that, all of that really crazy stuff like Vampires of the Eastern Front, which is about Russian vampires in world in a world war, right? Um, or Blackhawk, which is now I might get the order wrong. It's ancient. Starts off in ancient Rome. He's um, and he starts out as a Nubian slave who then becomes a centurion, who then becomes a gladiator, who is then abducted by aliens <laughs> and made to fight in an alien gladiatorial arena. Logical consequences, yeah. And then he fights to become ruler of that alien empire. And that's like one, that's that's like a, a single run of a strip. Right. If you see what I'm saying, right? Uh, and that's like that. This is a 2000 AD for you. Everyone, everyone concentrates on Judge Dredd, and we forget stuff like Kingdom. Kingdom is a pun-laden adventure series about right. Okay, so they're genetically engineered soldiers, uh, and they're spliced their human human genes and canine genes. So they're literally dog soldiers. Exactly. So they're dog soldiers. Um, and their oldest, oldest guy, um, the oldest surviving kind of lawkeeper is called Gary. Gary. He's old man. He's an old man, Gary. Obviously, 
Uh, they've got a guy with two swords. Uh, his gene, because he's you know, like genetically, mm-hmm. and he's he hacks things apart. He's their hat man. He's Gene the Hat Man. Oh. And, and so on. Oh. Uh, man. There's a wonderful moment in. Uh, I've, I've said this before on the show, but there's a wonderful moment in in Kingdom where he looks up at the sky and says, "The Masters said that we were named after the stars." And he looks up. I wonder which one is mine. Oh. And it's just like. And it's such a twisted world. And that's 2000 AD, that's 2000 AD for you. That's what it does. It takes an idea and warps it. And yes, some of the earlier editors commissioned some very silly stuff. Like a guy, was it Archangel, a guy with a um, computer fused into his limbs so he can therefore fly. He's got a, he's got a flight <laughs> computer in his arms. So it I'm not sure that's how that works. Transistors, man, they'll do everything. Like Halo Jones is 2000 AD. Like in my head, I was like, I'm sure it's 2000 AD, but just wanted to check. But yeah, yeah. it's not not mentioned. Because um, I think Halo Jones is a really important comic book. Moore is mentioned in passing. This is more about the history of of the. But Moore does get a mention. Yeah, no, just, I'd have thought that it would it would be quite important to to them. There's there you go. Oh, of course. They're just not in the index. Um, it, that's actually Skiz, which is uh, the one that no one remembers. Uh, so he <laughs> did... He did. He, Alamo started off doing Future Shocks and Time Twisters. And then he did Skiz, which is a kind of brutal version of E.T. Mm. So this alien comes to to Earth, but it doesn't, like... It, you know, it lands in the middle of an unemployment black spot. <laughs> and it is desperately, desperately looked after... By, by people who are like trying to stop them from being essentially torn apart by, by the government and it's very much a criticism because it's written in the 80s so it's Thatcherism yeah. so it's like well, well how would Thatcherism deal with immigrants especially ones from the stars oh well. and it, it's that sort of and the world he's from as well is also pretty bleak so it's kind of a bleak version of E.T. Alan Bleasdale's E.T. as it were um <laughs> And then we have um, a DR and Crinch, which is just an excuse for Alan Moore to blow stuff up. Um, but there is an entire chapter called Hanging with Halo Jones. Um, oh, cool. Where he talks... And yet, you, and yet Halo Jones is not in the index. Interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the thing with Halo, the history of Halo is interesting because what 2000 AD wanted was war stories because war stories sold. And mm. what Alan Moore wanted to write was the story about a girl getting on with her life. Yeah. Um, so they kind of just massively disagreed, and that's why in the middle of Halo Jones there's a war story, mm. but it makes it all the more poignant and all the all the stronger. And then for whatever reason, and I'll not go into it, but for whatever reason, Alan Moore decided he didn't want to write for 2000 AD anymore, and. You know, in the since then, people have gone. You know, we'll drive a truck for the money to your door, and I'll insight I'm not interested in that anymore. Which is why I think other people should write Halo Jones. Yeah, I I I have no problem with that. If the original author has abandoned it and he sold the character, then I have no problem with Halo. Because I think one of the things that I found most interesting about Halo is it was the first comic book that I'd read where especially like in the first episodes Halo Jones isn't the main character it's like just someone that you meet along the way who's then very interested interesting and granted drives the story 
but we see it from a completely different character's perspective and I really I just really enjoyed that because when I was younger that was quite unusual to what I'd experienced before I think the interesting thing about 2018 Halo Jones is Halo Jones informs 2018 now people mm-hmm. coming into 2018 want to tell bigger longer more epic stories um but yet, at the time, it was still wasn't as uh, as major or as, as significant. By the by, if if anyone's listening, I would love to see a Halo Jones TV show. There was uh, a theatre adaptation in Manchester. There was which indeed. Was excellent. I I applied for that and I didn't get an audition, but I had basically no CV. I only had uni work on it because it was mm. a while ago now. It was it, it was I hadn't been in Manchester long at all. The very first article I ever wrote for Stardust magazine was a review of that production of Halo Jones. Really? Uh, we went to see it at the Lasagari yeah, when it was still a theatre venue because it isn't anymore. Uh, the Lasagari is still around. It's a classic, it's, it's storied pub, I would mm. say. It's, it's a good pub as well. It still has a performance space. It does have a performance space. But it's not like a typical theatre performance space mm. now. Yeah, it's not focused on that anymore because it's changed hands. Um, but that's fine. That's the history of these things. But you know, it was, it was really well done. The the slight flange. If you know the story of Halo Jones, um, she has a robot dog called Toby. And to he, he as a four way line in the comic, Toby mentions that he's quite like a human body at some point. And obviously, because it's a stage production and they can't afford a giant robot costume of a robot dog, he's just like Toby's already got his 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 uh, human body. Human body. Uh, but the, with the canine face, because they, c- they couldn't afford that. So you still get the idea of it being a robot dog and it being like a feral robot dog. But, you know, he's got hands. Which is kind of cute. But yes, um, just flipping through, gives you all the logos, gives you the, the. You were asking about the green section. So it gives you the history of things like battle and action. Action, of course, being an infamous, infamous comic that did a kind of. Shark story. I think it's a shark story. I think it was action that did the shark story. And that co- hoop jaw, that's the one about a killer shark, and that caused a moral panic. Um, there was a comic book called Shaco, which I'm sure I've talked about on the show before. Mm. Uh, Shaco, now, okay, so the it's about a polar bear. There's an Inuit boy who's called Nanook, and the American is called Buck Dollar. It is not 2080's shining moment. But it is about a killer polar bear who swallows a nuclear warhead. It gives you a rough idea of what the comics were like in the 70s. Mm. By the time we get to the 90s, we've got these beautiful, kind of glossy comic strips that are still about dinosaurs and time travel and savagery and weirdness, but they look so pretty and the storytelling is so much better at that point. Um, and it's just fascinating to see as people have joined the, the kind of the ranks of 2018 of how much it's just literally mutated. Mm-hmm. Um, so is it going to other things like um, System Shock, uh, Sinister Dexter? Am I thinking System Shock? Shell Shock? Um, um, it, it covers Sinister Dexter because they're fairly major characters. Um, and it covers, you know, it, it, it does everything, essentially. Okay. Um, it is the big book that sits on the shelf next to your comic collection that explains your comic collection. Right. Mm. Um, and, you know, there are there are books that do with kind of... Uh, there are biographies of Stanley. 
they are endless essays about DC and superhero who comics. Mm. You can get various things about Batman examination. You don't really get a comprehensive guide to 2008, except you do now. Brian Bolland has sat down and just written this. This it is a gorgeous thing. I mean, each issue of 2008 is a work of art, literally. Mm. Mm. And one of the things I really, I really like about the selection is. Yes, there are some iconic pictures. Yes, there is that picture of Hill, Hill with, with Toby. Yes, there is that picture of um, C- Cassandra Anderson getting spirits out of her head. Um, yes, there's pictures of dark ju- judges. Yes, there is, you know, every single iconic cover you can think of is probably there. But there's stuff also that you've completely forgotten about that you flip through and you just go, oh my God. Um, and the green pages also have the covers of stuff that 2000 AD joined up with. Because the uh, back in the seventies, there were apps for 12, 12 pence, ten pence. You could buy two thousand AD, and you could buy Tornado, and you could buy Star Lord. Maybe not Star Lord. I think that was a bit more expensive. But you could buy all these amazing two thousand AD and Star Lord, something. Uh, but what happened? Star Lord was a uh, big glossy. It was like a big glossy magazine, so it looked it looked like two thousand AD did in the nineties in the 70s mm. so it was more expensive so parents would be like well that's 10p that's 15p I'll have the 10p one please he'll be fine mm. or she'll be fine um, but yes and all the various logos but yes it's a gorgeous looking thing it's very pretty mm. do you want to talk about the other one um I can do. I was going to talk a little bit more about this. Yeah, okay. Dinosaurs! More dinosaurs! <laughs> Sorry, I'm just flipping through it now. That, that's what I'm talking about. The end of America. There's a, <laughs> we've got a mural here where it just gives you in one picture the how oh, Judge Dredd came to pass. The president's haircut looks really familiar. Mm-hmm. This was written in the a early noise. Blonde. Yep. Oh, oh. God. Shall we? Shall we move on to the? You've got to remember about 2008 is it's all about it's the parody. Psychic. It's, it's parody. It's parody. It's <laughs> yeah. satire. Uh, it takes things to the ridiculous extremes. If the world decides to go that way as well, that's the world's fault. It's like Charlie Booker and, and Black Mirror, isn't it? And he keeps on going. Mm, I wasn't writing the future. I'm not psychic. It's just all gone really dystopian. But yes, uh, sorry, I keep I keep bringing this up on. You just keep looking at it again. <laughs> well, it's this bit where they talk about toxic, which was a competitor to diversity, which pretty much reprinted other people's stuff, an awful lot of Pat Mills stuff. Pat Mills' fingers are all over the, the history of diversity, and obviously all over this. And we haven't even talked about Nemesis, the Warlock, and two, and ABC Warriors, and um, those two famous robots. One is called Raw Jaws. The other one is called Hammerstein. Nah. <laughs> no. So what is this book called and where would people be able to get it from? It's called Thrill Power Overload. It is in all good bookshops and some substantially naughty ones. Uh, it is by David Bishop and Cole Stock. Um, and you can get it on 2008online.com um, and it's rather special. It's published by Rebellion, of course, who also published 2008. Shall we move on to? He said, almost mm-hmm. dropping it onto the floor and killing a bunny rabbit. Ah, right. So that's 2008. Let's talk about the Legion of Regrettable Supervillains. 
Which it's is an excellent title. It is. Um, is it? Is this a story? It is not a story. It's no, yet no. another in the in the theme of today's show, which is books about comics rather than comic books. Yeah, I'm just. I'm just thinking, you know, this could be like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or something like that. It could have to be a story. You well, could have to have a union of these guys at all. Is story. this a non-fiction book? Us, yeah. have, us having said earlier that we never, very rarely get sent non-fiction books. This is the second one we've now talked about. Yes. Yeah. So the third. Mm. Uh, this is this is the. It's mix. non-fiction about fiction though. Nah. We're pretty close, aren't we? Fiction in fact. So metafiction. No, metafiction mm. is something else entirely. Okay. Move on. Let's move on. Anyway, yes, so John Morris is a cartoonist, he's also a graphic designer, and he wrote a book in twenty fifteen called The League of Regrettable Superheroes. Um he's then obviously written a sequel which is The League of Regrettable Supervillains. And the thing about supervillains is is that they are throwaway disposable characters. Mm. You can you know, you can lose the plot quite easily. And it's in, oh my god, it's in alphabetical order. And it goes, shall we, shall we go through the age, I explain the ages of comics. So Is it like Aardvark Man? that the first one? Uh, there's Animal, Vegetable, Mineral, mineral Man. <laughs> oh my goodness. So it's divided into sections of the Golden Age, the Silver Age, and the Modern Age, which some people call the Iron Age. So these are like legit villains that existed that someone has published at some point. Yes. So Amazing. It starts off with Golden Age, and obviously because it's the, the 40s and 50s, um, we get, you know, it's going to be more ridiculous because the Golden Age was very silly, and a lot of this is Golden Age. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's just so much to, to you know, we get to by the time we get to the Silver Age, we've already halfway through the book. Um, so yes, uh, so, so what you're saying is we've had fewer silly ideas since the Golden Age. Well, it's more that the Silver Age, which is 1950s to 19, to 1969, 1970, is more kind of the comics take themselves a little bit more seriously. There's more kind of punching and violence and this sort of you know it's. The, it's what we more recognise as a comic book. Right. If you see what I mean. We, we're starting to head towards kind of superheroes and kind of that, that spandex pow, kapow sort of thing mm-hmm. rather than the anarchy of the Golden Age, which I absolutely love. So Baby Fitness and his brother, it opens with, who was an enemy of Twilight, who was a villain I have, who was a superhero I have never heard of. Is Twilight in the other book? Twilight might be in the other book. I'm assuming that Twilight it's Twilight and Snoopy. <laughs> what? Twilight and Snoopy. But Snoopy appears to be a pirate. This is not the crossover you expected. No. I, Stephanie Myers, Snoopy. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> Step away. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Snoopy. You're glowing, Charlie Brown. You've never aged, Charlie Brown. Are you? Are you a blockhead? Yes. Uh, so let's see. We've got. Black Tarantula! That's literally a tarantula. Oh. Right. <laughs> That's this year. <laughs> He's called Bluer, dictator of Uranus. Let take me to your ruler. I, seriously, I swear to God. That's what it says. I am Bluer, dictator of Uranus. Take me to your ruler. Look, he, he, he looks like a Bluer as well. That's definitely his name. He was an enemy of Nelson, the future man. That's, that's not a great hero name, to be honest. Uh, there's Brick Bass. Who is? Yes, yeah. he's a yes. bat. He's a man dressed like a bat with a brick. Yes, a poisonous brick. They're poisonous bricks. Yay! Not, 
Not to be confused with Cinderblock Fox or Paving Stone Bear. What? They're animals who wield bricks. How oh do you have God. a poisonous brick? Paving Stone. I don't know Paving Stone Bear. Well, there's the joke. The whistle. Ah, oh, they're you. fake bricks filled with deadly gas. All right. That okay. still makes no sense. He's well, still duck. Well, no, because <laughs> you, you throw the well, brick and the brick break, breaks, and you go, "Aha! I've, I've avoided your brick, brick bat." And he's like, "Ah, but it's poison gas," and then you fall over anyway, so he wins regardless. Because he's essentially, essentially, he's the gas man. I'm, I'm but not that's convinced. I'm not about. convinced of the efficiency of this plan. I'm not sure efficiency is the objective. Efficiency isn't the objective for most of these supervillains, I imagine. It's sort of more concept over over content, yeah. I suspect. Like, if that was your thing, why do you need to dress like her to do that? Why not? Why wouldn't you? That's not dress the, for the point. Job, dress for the job you want. Not so the... you can be called Brickbat, clearly. <laughs> yeah. There's a comic, I, I, oh, I wish I could remember which comic it is, but I've seen a couple of images from it, and it's one where um, someone says, you know, but you... you You've got the biological, biomedical experience to cure cancers and do other things. Why are you turning people into dinosaurs? Because I want to turn people into dinosaurs. I can't remember which the villain it's, it's, uh, Is it not Dr. Dinosaur from Atomic Robo? It could well be. I don't know. You know better than me. So you've discovered Captain Black Bunny? Yes. Captain Black Bunny is the enemy of Hoppy the Marvel Rabbit. No, Hoppy the Marvel Bunny. I'm so, are, are these relations to Harley in any way, or? Yeah, Hartley is no. No, no. Hartley is not one of the Marvel family. So, comics history, right? Um, this is where it gets confusing. There was a com- there is a comic book character who is owned by DC, who's called Shazam. Yep. Uh, and the reason he's called Shazam and not Captain Marvel, which is his name, uh, is because Marvel sued DC for the rights to the name Captain Marvel so Captain Marvel is in fact um, a different character entirely uh. Shazam however in the golden age Captain Marvel was called was, was Shazam and he's got the power of Solomon and this kind of historical my, my, mystical powers and he's an orphan child called Billy Batson if memory serves and he essentially turns into a kind of big superman style character he is the prototype Superman kind right. of model in, in many ways and the interesting thing about Sh- uh, Sh- Shazam is he had a family he had a whole family of other Marvel characters including the Bunny Rabbit and there was an evil Marvel ca- there was an evil Captain Marvel called Black Adam therefore <laughs> the evil character is called what have you found now there is giggling going on the other side of the book nook <laughs> one of the buddies is called the Dictator and his quote is you stupid offspring of a pig! <laughs> but also, not only is he the enemy of Mr. Justice, which is great in itself, he is not to be confused with Blur, dictator of Uranus. Yes. <laughs> because sure, in a police in a police lineup, these people would be difficult to tell apart. What is happening? I'm sure. I, I'm sure I dated Blur. I'm sure I dated Blur, dictator of Uranus. There's so. <laughs> Is there a villain called the Crow? Mock Does... my singing, will you? Me, the great Pagini, you'll mock the worms in your grave. And he appears to be just a giant crow. He's what? literally a giant crow, and he's called the Crow. But he's I want a sitcom of, of these guys. First of all, in a lineup, being you know, it's with a you know, with some with some witness trying to decide which one committed the crime, and then in a jail cell for a little while. I you know, I want a sitcom of these guys. 
Oh, that's just terrible. <laughs> but so this is a Doom Patrol character. I'll explain Doom Patrol, Patrol in a moment. <laughs> but he's called Animal Vegetable Mineral Man. I've succeeded in duplicating that process of creating life artificially. What? Like, literally, the illustration is fantastic. So many people are to blame for this. It's not that a crazy artist had an idea. Like, someone has had an idea, written it. A crazy artist has just thought, you know what, I will. At no point has an editor gone, this is stupid. And then a publisher's gone, I can sell this. No. Like, what is happening? That is sort of cheating. I would argue because Doom Patrol is bonkers. <laughs> it's the prototype to, arguably, it's the prototype to the X Men. Uh, the idea, the the origin characters in the Doom Patrol is a guy called Robot Man, right. who is a guy who, after a car accident, they put his brain. He's a racing car driver, and they put his brain in a giant robot body. Of course, it is. So what he actually is is paraplegic man. And his prosthesis. Right. Um, there is a guy who... Um, there's a guy called Negative Man who doesn't just sit down around and complain about things. Uh, what he is is a guy wrapped up in radioactive bandages after an accident who can pass out and release a kind of flying, cosmic, dark ghost thing that can then go and fight crime. Um, elongated girl who is literally a woman who can stretch at incredible right. distances. Like Elastigirl from The Incredibles. Yeah. Yes, like Elastigirl. Um, all of the characters traditionally in Doom Patrol, so Doom Patrol's been rebooted and rebooted several times, the way every si- single run of Doom Patrol should end, as far as I'm concerned, is that they all die. And they all die horribly and tragically. And then they come back, and they normally come back because the robot guy can just be rebooted. Mm-hmm. And then they form a new team. Uh, Grant Morrison in the 90s got his hands on Doom Patrol. And if you like comic books and you also like surrealism, or you like comic books and you like mind-expanding experiences, then try your hands on Doom Patrol because it's just weird. Uh, One of the comic book characters in Doom Patrol is called Flex Flex Mantalo. Right. You know those comic strips that you get in Golden Age comics that are adverts for uh, Atlas exercises? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like he gets the sand kicked into his face and then he learns the, the, the secrets and, and he becomes. becomes and bulks up, yeah. Flex Mantello flexes and his aura says, Hero of the Beach! He is the man who. Master of Muscle Mystery. And that's his origin story. His origin story is he read it in a comic. Sent off and discovered the secret to muscle mystery. So, and that's that's the, the first thing they hit us with in when we get to the Silver Age is Doom Patrol. This guy's part uh, tree, part man, part dinosaur, and part some sort rock. of crystal. Yeah, mineral. Yeah. Yes. The, the werewolf. The werewolf's not a bad villain, surely. That's just that's a classic one. Surely you can't you can't go wrong with a werewolf. Maybe he was. Maybe it was specifically what he did or how he did stuff. He's apparently an enemy of lightning, which, in fairness, if anyone who's had dogs, that would make sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But. Lash, <laughs> lightning! Can I. Can I continue to flip? Cat girl. Cat girl just sounds like many other versions. Mm, yeah. It's literally a woman who's pissed off at a man called the Jaguar presumably for you know 1960 sexism Vip <laughs> uh, Hunter Time Master uh, the criminal league of time amazing 
They are a bunch of historic. Uh, they're a bunch of historical bad bad eggs. <laughs> um, not a good egg, a bad egg. Good egg. They're just generally bad people. The Black Knight is waiting for us. Rip Hunter was ridiculous, but he's now on telly. Is he? Uh, Legend of Tomorrow. Oh right, okay. It's played oh, by yeah. uh, Arthur Darvel. Oh him, yeah. I I started watching that and I thought, what the hell's going on? Because I'm, I'm behind on a lot of the series that are in it. That's the thing. The difficulty I have with all of that at the moment is I I went online and was like, essentially, what order should I be watching this in? Mm. And loads of things came back saying you can actually watch it in any order you want and then just there's comments under it going but the crossovers won't make sense like it's not the crossovers won't make sense this series won't make sense you haven't seen this you're like it's effort even working Mm. out which one I should press play on first and therefore I think I'm out like I I tried to watch the first episode of Legends of Tomorrow I sort of came into it part way and there's Black Canary and she's already dead Oh, what? Okay. Right, right. Time travel. Time travel. They nicked her before she died. Yeah. Okay. Um, the generic man. Yes. Because <laughs> that's what we need to fill in the blanks. And I love the quote. Just... Something said by the generic man versus <laughs> a superhero created by a comic book writer. David Dudin and comic book. Additional blurb. Humorous phrase. No. That, that's what it says. His face is just a pink, massive face. Indeed. Well, no, it's got a. It's a. It's no, that's a black... not. That's not real. That's something that the, the inventors of this book have. Yeah. Just... No, it's what it actually is. Is it's a blank. It's it's a blank page, and the ink has bled from the other side. <laughs> so it should be white, but it's bled from the other side, and they've just written smile, <laughs> rather than rather than the actually. Well, sir, stuff. Yeah, that is a bit smart. What? It's one of the things you can do with comic books. One of my favourite moments um, in various comic books is the please don't turn that page. And when you read that as a kid, where they're like, don't turn the page, and the characters turn around to you and go, don't turn the page. Because as soon as you do, they don't exist anymore. And they just realise tiny little moments in time. And as soon as you turn them, even if you turn the page back, then that's a different circumstance of them being. You've made them disappear that moment of time has gone as soon as you turn the page which is you know mind twisting when you're 12 it's fairly mind twisting when you're in your 40s in fairness mm. but yes so we've thought about this book without actually really talking about it it's very well written yeah it's lovingly well written um the sense of humour is spot on it's like here is someone who loves everything about this the golden age the silver age the modern age yeah. there is more affection for the golden age than any of the others but that's to be expected given just how silly the golden age was yeah um, in you know it's it's fairly balanced it is meant to be I mean what we've just done there is we've opened it up and gone ah look at that which is exactly what it's for yeah um, but it is it sounds to me it's like also going to be the kind of book where some writer you know in the next year or two is going to flick through this book thing oh I remember and then he's going to think of a way to actually make this uh, this regrettable superhero actually dangerous and worthwhile yeah, yeah. it interestingly has been done already in some cases yeah I'm looking at certain stuff uh, the the Marvel the Captain Marvel Bunny Rabbit I suspect is never coming back and never is Black Bunny um, but yes Doom Patrol is a good example of where they've rebooted uh, Grant Morrison loves to do stuff like that. He loves mm. to, to take an old idea and then to, to make it new. There's a 
old Batman comic book from the 60s I believe which is Batman from another dimension and he rewrite uh, Grant Morrison rewrote that as a boot up uh, like an emergency psyche for Bruce Wayne Um, is that no, 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 no. We're not going near that. No, we're not going near that. A slightly questionable 1960s, uh, 1950s stereotype. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's beyond slightly. It's more, I'm sure the book talks about the character perfectly well. It's more, I don't necessarily think it's a can of worms we should be opening today. <laughs> they are, I mean, in, in fairness, it's where they could have gone with some of this and where they do go. Is this going to be one of those where we ask the view the, the listeners to write in with what they think we're talking oh, about? Oh, that's a good idea. Message us if you think we know, you know who we're talking about. Uh, yes, if you're reading the, the, the Legion of Regrettable Supervillains and there's one of them where you go, oh my goodness, what were they on in the 50s? Send us a text mes- message, message tweet, tweet us. Uh, send us a text message. Send us a text message. You know, using... using Just make up some numbers and it might be us. <laughs> what I was going to say is use Twitter and tweet us at radiobookworm dot at radiobookworm at just radiobookworm. You can also find us on the Super Secret Book Club as well. Shall we leave? Yes. Shall, shall we continue to look at regrettable to me? Because it, it does say regrettable in the title, and it some does. of those are seriously oh, yeah. very regrettable. It's, some of them are very regrettable, but that is the point of the book. <laughs>